Good morning and welcome to our midweek worship. How's everybody doing today? Hope you are well. We are continuing with our reflection on transitions of life and the story of Samuel and we come to 1 Samuel chapter 15, just the last couple of verses of that chapter and on into chapter 16. So the reading today is 1 Samuel chapter 15 verses 34 to chapter 16 verse 13. Then Samuel went to Ramah and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul and the Lord was sorry that he made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked at Eli and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see his mortals as not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearances, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And so Samuel said to Jesse, Send him, bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes, and he was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for he is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Amen. And so we continue our thinking about transition times. Strange news, maybe unwelcome news, comes and we say, What? Change comes, uh, we go into some new phase, a transition, there's no avoiding it, and we say, why? Often the change that comes, this transition that we enter into, involves a third question, the question of who? Who's going to lead us now? Who will do what the folks who aren't with us anymore used to do? 
who is going to get us through this time of not having the answers to the first two questions of what and why? What indicates our shock and our desire to learn more? Why expresses our own sense of hurt and loss, fear, maybe a bit of anger about what's going on? That's a lot of uncertainty, an uncertainty that can breed anxiety. And anxiety tends to generate tunnel vision in the people who are charged with finding, say, new leaders or a new way forward. Tunnel vision isn't always a bad thing, of course. There's another name for it in sports. It's called being in the zone. Anxiety plus uh, disciplined skills can get athletes into a heightened state of readiness, of awareness, where they can focus and perform. Sometimes even sort of performing miracles. Look at the number of world records that are, are broken in, in major competitions like the Olympics. That that focus, along with the training, of course, seems to kind of generate results. In this week's reading, we find Samuel in a position where he has every reason to be asking who the king, the people asked for, and whom he has anointed, has turned out to be even worse than Samuel had warned a king might be. He is enriching himself with booty, losing battles, usurping the priesthood, and, as it turns out, is prone to alternating fits of depression and rage. Saul, the king, well, he's a disaster as a king. But... There was no way to get rid of him. He was the king after all. I mean, this wasn't a democracy. Well, there was one way, and that's insurrection. For a rival to the throne mounts a, a, a campaign and maybe gathers together an army and, and takes over. So it wasn't just that Saul's feelings were demoralising. They were also destabilising meaning they were dangerous to the community, to the nation. And everybody had a sense of that, so anxiety ran high. Samuel was dejected by what he saw. In verse 35, we're told that even God was sorry about what he was seeing. There was nothing the people could do that wouldn't make things worse, even worse. But there was something God could do. And so there was something Samuel could do. In the theopolitics of ancient Israel, it was understood, at least by some, that it was God who brought forth a king, who provided a king for a people. And so God could make another one. The new one, of course, couldn't rule while the first was still on the throne. Well, the first was still alive in this case, but the process of identifying the new one could begin at any time. Who would take over? God was done with Saul, it appears, because Saul had proven himself to be done with any real allegiance to God. And so it was time to think about the future to identify the new king to take over. In a season of anxiety, Samuel can't go ahead and anoint the next king willy-nilly. 
in a season of anxiety, a season of who, who can take over, who might it be, who might be God's leader. The situation is you tend to become really clear about what you can't do. And of course, you might easily lose sight of what you can do. So, yes, Samuel couldn't travel from Ramah to Bethlehem and announce, I'm here to anoint one of Jesse's sons as king. But that didn't mean he couldn't do something. God knew what Samuel could do. God reminded Samuel of something Samuel seemed to have forgotten. He wasn't just a judge and a prophet who could anoint kings. He was also a priest, a priest who could offer sacrifices. Sometimes in a season of who, all that questioning of who's going to be the leader, who can fill the void, who can do this, we find ourselves asking, who me? And we forget our own gifts that make us perfect candidates for what is needed in a situation at a certain time. We might forget, but God doesn't. And God didn't in this case of Samuel. So Samuel went. The elders of the city saw him on the road and in their own panic, trembling, were told in verse 4, they asked whether he was coming to their town with peaceful intent. Samuel was admitted, probably escorted to the sacrificial site, and then he sent out word for Jesse and his sons to meet him there. Samuel didn't know whom he would anoint. He didn't know who he was looking for. He only knew it was to be one of the sons of Jesse. That pairing of knowledge, one of the sons of Jesse, the one that God would designate personally. And ignorance, so knowledge and ignorance, ignorance of which son it would be, may have been the key God used to prevent Samuel from falling prey to tunnel vision that would prevent him from seeing God's choice. I'm sure you know the story that follows from the oldest to the youngest son. Jesse's sons appeared, called to the sacrifice one after the other, summoned to appear before Samuel until all the sons present were rejected. Don't know if you're a wee bit like me, but sometimes when you're you know, trying to work out a puzzle and you're trying to kind of do something and you, you might have um, lots of goes at trying to, to solve, a, say, a, a jigsaw. None of the six pieces uh, in front uh, of you works. You almost feel as if you've missed something, and so you try and you go back over and turn all the, the, the six pieces over around the other way and see if you can somehow slot them in. Uh, sometimes if you get a bit panicky, you try and force them in, of course. You start to try and look at ways to make the puzzle pieces work. You don't tend to think, hold on a minute, maybe there's a piece missing. Samuel shows us the way forward in this anxious season of who. And in the process, we learn just how anxiety had affected everyone in that system in his day. Are all your sons here? he asked Jesse. Samuel would have had every reason to presume that when there's a sacrifice, the whole family is called to be there, make sure that the whole family was there. But no, Jesse was anxious too. He'd left one of his sons to guard his flocks. He was anxious about the flocks. 
He was anxious about quick compliance with a strange order, so he left one behind, his youngest son David, tending the sheep. And so David was summoned. God said he was the one, and so Samuel anointed him. In the season of who, we find ourselves in times of transition, in this story, moving through the, the history of Samuel. We get anxious, we can see that in this story, but we recognise that in some of the circumstances of life that we find ourselves in, we get anxious too, and we try to force fit things. And in all of that, trying to sort of solve out the puzzle ourselves, just trying to kind of work with what we can see right in front of us, we miss, we risk missing the options, the opportunities, the, the, the people, the, the, the answers, the suggestions that God provides for us in the situations of complexity, of confusion, of worry and anxiety. For all sorts of reasons, as human beings, we find ourselves at times in a season of who. Just like Samuel in this story that we're thinking about today. Sometimes we're in a situation where we're not able to let go of a particular anxiety, a, a, a worry about uh, the change that's taking place in our life. This story perhaps reminds us that there is an opportunity for us to interrupt this struggle, this anxiety, maybe even just long enough for us to breathe for a moment, to think outside the box, to to look wider instead of a, just a, a, a narrow view, to seek God's voice and to find God's spirit leading. And even in the most complex of situations, I think a story like this reminds us that that voice of God, that spirit leading, is there. It is there. We can find it. It's never absent. Often what we find, if we can find this voice and sense this spirit leading, is the, the voice and the spirit reminding us that we are in a position to use the gifts and the talents, the personality and the character, the skills and the opportunities that we've been given to be part of solving the puzzle. In that anxiety-driven situation that we find ourselves in, what kind of face haven't we seen? What kind of solution haven't we recognised? What kind of voice haven't we heard? What kind of abilities and disabilities even haven't we considered? Yeah, sometimes we feel as if we're up, up against a brick wall, that we have no way out of a situation, that there is no sense that things are going to get better anytime soon. But a story like the one that we're thinking about today reminds us to trust the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. The one who promises never to be absent. The one who promises to lead us the one who has given his son and given his Holy Spirit as our guide 
our sustainer and our comforter. Yes, in the seasons of transitions, when things around us are complicated and difficult, at times overwhelming, God invites us to stop and to ask, who? And in that asking, we recognise that God is in a better position to reveal who. Often, it's our very selves asked to use what we have to be able to have some impact on the situation we find ourselves in, to let God work through us. Sometimes it's pointing us in the direction of others who we can invite to be part of working out the solution. In the seasons of change in the transition moments, we are happy that we can ask the question, who? Direct to God. And God will point us back to our own selves and to others around us. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly and loving Father, again we thank you for the teaching of your Holy Word. Ancient stories that somehow take us into the current experiences of our lifetime, of our lives. Today we recognise that in the transition moments of life, in asking what and why, sometimes we're also led to ask the question who. We thank you that often you direct us back to our very selves, that you hold a mirror in front of us and in the reflection we see of ourselves, we realise what capable people we are. Thanks to being made in your image, to the particular gifts you give us and to the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, bringing out the best of us. And we thank you too that there are people in our life and in our societies who you also can direct us to when we are looking for the solution to a puzzle that we find ourselves in or recognise others experiencing in their life. Sometimes these are our loved ones, sometimes these are our friends, sometimes these are individual people. Other times we recognise that there are groups, there are charities, there are professional bodies that we've forgotten and we're reminded that turning to them might help us in the situation we find ourselves in. And so today we thank you for all these agencies working in our own city and our cities across the country and world who are there to help people in times of challenge and difficulty. Particularly we remember the charities and also of course the key workers who are working away hard in the midst of this pandemic to continue to keep people safe and well and to be there as a support and compass to people in times of challenge. Lord, we ask that as we 
continue to live as your people, as your faithful followers, that you allow us to be courageous enough to keep asking the questions of what and why and who. We thank you that we can ask questions of you and that in that prayer time, in that special relationship that we have with you, you reveal to us various solutions to the puzzles that we face in life. Lord, we pray for your church and for your people across the world. And we particularly remember this time, the situation in the United States of America, where yet again we see the huge divisions in society. Some may say that it is a nation and that we live in a world of equals, but Sadly, so many folks' experience of life is far from that equality. We pray for those who misuse the teaching of the, the Bible, who don't recognise that the Bible is about justice and fairness and equality, who instead hold the, the Bible uh, as somehow encouraging uh, a self-righteousness and selfishness. Lord, we pray for peace in our world, for justice and for equality. Lord, be with us because we are your workers in the world and even although we at times think we can't make much of a difference with our small quiet voice, we realise that the combined voice of your faithful people across the world can make the changes required and your kingdom will come your kingdom of peace and justice and equality for all. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Next week, we will have both a podcast version of the midweek service and a Zoom service to look forward to. So that will be at half past 10 next Wednesday morning and we will um, publish the, the link to the, the Zoom channel on our Facebook page. Have a good week and a good weekend when it comes. Take care. God bless.